welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name is Caitlin, and I'm one of the managing editors of Anime Feminist, as well as a reviewer for Anime News Network. Today, we're starting our rewatch along of the late aughts shonen hit Soul Eater. You may be thinking to yourself, Soul Eater? That's an odd choice for a feminist podcast. Well, that's why we're kind of doing this at double speed, watching a full core per episode instead of our usual half core. So this episode will be covering episodes 1 to 13 of Soul Eater. I am once again joined by my fellow managing editors, Dee and Vry. Uh, hey, I'm Vry Kaiser. I'm a managing editor at Anime Feminist. You can find my freelancing work on my Twitter, at Writer Vry, and you can find the other podcast that I co-host, at TrashPod. And I'm Dee, an editor at Anifem. Uh, you can find all my writings, well, most of my writings, on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. All right, so let's talk about Soul Eater. Let's Soul do Eater it. originally pre- premiered as a manga in 2004 by Atsushi Okubo, uh, running in monthly Shonen Gangan. It was adapted into an anime in 2008 by Studio Bones, uh, with part of their long string of hits that came early in the studio's history. And, you know, is not totally maintained to this day, but they definitely have a better hit rate than most studios. And it was directed by Takuya Igarashi, who also directed Oran High School Host Club and Sailor Moon Stars, uh, among others. It has remained a mainstay of anime fandom for over a decade, including a run on Adult Swim. So, what is Soul Eater about, if you haven't seen it before, and for some reason you're listening to this episode? No judgment. Um, It is about a technical school for teens learning to become Shinigami in the desert of Nevada, run by Death himself. About half the students are humans who can turn into weapons, who are then wielded by the other half of the students, who are called Meisters. Uh, The main characters are Soul and Maka, a uh, weapon... Meister combo. And I just ran out of things to say. I think that gets the the premise across though. I think you I think you hit the main points. Yeah, just my bad habit of my extremely podcast friendly habit of trailing off. I mean, so much of this first episode this first core until like the last two or three episodes is just character introduction episodes, so I feel like you're fine. Yeah, a lot of like the first like the the first bit is very like episodic and character focused and kind of school shenanigans ish. Yeah, it I mean it builds on it everything that happens will like builds into what happens next. Yeah. Um but but yeah, there's there's definitely that sense of like we're just sort of it's it's nice to watch a show that isn't stuck at being 13 episodes and has to blaze through all that. Um, I think there are some pacing issues in the early, early going with this one, but it's nice to be able to just like hang out with some kids and go on some like, you know, one to two part adventures and get to know everybody while the major plot kind of gets built around the edges and you get a feel for where the story is going. So Right. And I, I really enjoy getting to know these kids. I mean, by the same token, I know so many people who dropped this show in the first three episodes, and they are right to do so. The pro, I think the three episode prologue is probably the roughest in the entire series. <laughs> um, 
And so, oh, so did we mention that this is a rewatch along and we've all seen it, but we're not uh, yes. going to spoil anything? Okay. Yes. Just making sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prologue episodes are rough because they're based on the first three, like, mini chapters of the manga where it was initially conceived as, like, just a bunch of standalone stories loosely connected by this central premise. Um, and then they ended up picking it up for a full serialized run because it was popular. And then it develops you know, like a through line and a story after that um, and drops 95% of the fan service itchy bullshit that it was doing in the early going. Um, yeah. But that that itchy bullshit is, um, well, bullshit. Uh, so it, it, it can make those first three episodes a struggle, especially because mm-hmm. like, they're so disconnected from one another. You're not quite sure why they're happening. So right. yeah, I can see how the first three episodes could, uh, could, could, uh, scare some folks away from this one absolutely i really enjoy the first three episodes like yes the etchy bullshit is there and it's bullshit but also like i really do enjoy these characters like the action is really just rock solid and the whole design aesthetic is so distinctive that like i still just i still just really they they drew me in yeah, the um, show looks great, absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's mm-hmm. really just a, a incredible looking show. It's just um, so counter to what the show ends up doing. Because like each of the three episodes is about somehow victimizing the the women in each of these weaponmeister pairings. Like the first episode is about Maka being shit on for being flat chested while her dad is the worst. We'll come back to her dad being the worst. And then the <laughs> second episode is about Subaki being peeped on which like the the anime scrubbed up that as best it could we have a good article about the um yeah the we'll differences about um, the first three episodes yeah we'll drop we'll drop that in the in the show notes for sure because mm-hmm. it's, right. it's but, nice but it's piece. still about like it's still a, a peeping plot and then the third episode has the bandage bullshit and it's just it's so non-indicative of what the show wants mm-hmm. to be, but you can tell, you, you can see Igarashi like struggling with the source material, yeah. trying to get away from it. And it's, I, I, I think Igarashi was a great, like a really inspired choice to direct this because he, he is an incredibly skilled director. He's got, mm-hmm. he ha- uses great visual language. Um, he's, awesome with really distinctive imagery but before this he did mainly direct shoujo anime mm-hmm. you know oran and sailor stars and i think there's a couple others sprinkled in there mm-hmm. yeah and he so, worked on the like, earlier he worked on too. he worked on ojamajo doremi um for yeah. quite a bit in there and then he he is a he is a secret collaborator on utana um but he was working under a pen name because he was technically not supposed to be working on it because he was <laughs> working on sailor moon at the same time um <laughs> But uh, but yeah no he'd pretty much just done uh, shojo he'd done solely shojo up until mm-hmm. uh, Soul Eater so yeah right. it was it was an interesting choice but I think it was a really good one yeah especially because... for a show that ultimately is about like these partnerships and like these balanced mm-hmm. pairings and Maka really becomes the main character as the show progresses um, in in a way mm-hmm. that I like like mm-hmm. I think the show does right by its female characters eventually but these first three episodes do not let you know that that's what's going to happen and Okubo did like he did conceive Maka as the as the main character I the Wikipedia says that like that was one of the ways that he wanted to 
one of the things he was using to set Soul Eater apart was having a female protagonist. Yeah, but he also uh, put her in a miniskirt and spent yeah. the first like three chapters just relentlessly show- flashing her panties. Yeah, listen, um, it's it's it is like it's not great. Um, and anyway, like I said, like Igarashi really did take some really pervy material and like with his very strong ability to di- to tr- direct um, female characters without perving on them he made it so much more accessible to all sorts of people because look what's happening with fire force right now the directorial <laughs> team is not like scrubbing out okubo's bullshit and it is really just putting off so many people who otherwise were really enjoying the story mm-hmm. um but anyway so let's put a pin in that maybe come back to it let's talk about how we got into soul eater because for me i remember it very distinctly because uh, it was Anime Expo, AMV contest, and the AMV to uh, the AMV was Soul Eater set to Marilyn Manson. Was it Marilyn Manson? Yes, yeah, Marilyn Manson's Marilyn Manson cover of "This Is Halloween." Now I don't like Marilyn Manson. Would not listen to that song on the zone on its own. But the AMV was incredible. If you follow AMVs at all. Um, because they were a much bigger deal back then um, because the technology was less accessible. YouTube was like really just starting to be a thing. Yeah. Um, but if you were, if you pay attention to AMVs at all, you've probably seen it. And if you haven't, if you don't care about AMVs, I still recommend you watch it because it's really cool AMV. And I like, it had all this distinctive imagery and, I'm not generally into horror anime, but it just looked really interesting. And so I was like, came out of it like, I think I want to watch Soul Eater. <laughs> I mean, it's so got I style did. coming out the ears, so I could totally see how an AMV would make you go, oh, hell yeah. Especially, yeah, you yeah. know, Maka flipping around with a scythe kicking ass. It's like, yeah, this seems mm-hmm. like my jam. I mean, that the original upload of that AMV is still on YouTube. It's got 20 million views. I checked. Delightful. <laughs> drop it in the links. That's excellent. Vry, how'd you get into Soul Eater? Well, the imper- like the unreliability of human memory. Now I'm wondering, <laughs> did I also? Because I I remember seeing that AMV back in the day, but I can't remember if that was the reason I decided to check it out. I know that somehow Krona was involved because I remembered really hating those first couple episodes and being on the verge of dropping it and like, okay, I'm gonna skip forward a little bit and and see when this character shows up and so now i recommend people that if people aren't feeling it they give episode seven a shot and like if that if that episode doesn't work for you then this is not the show for you yeah i think the two-parter when they introduce krona is um maybe not as indicative of the show's lighter moments but is indicative of like the action and the character focus and um the development on that end so yeah i i I can see why you would why you would make that recommendation Mm -hmm. to folks to kind of jump into it yeah, and Krona is kind of like your type of character, Vi. Krona's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot yeah, well, how strong I had feels about Krona. Well, yeah, we'll definitely uh, get into Krona more. Probably, I don't know how much we'll get to talk about Krona this time around, but definitely next time we'll, I feel like we'll dig. We'll, yeah, we'll there's definitely going to be some digging um, into Krona. 
and folks at home, I expect we will be using they pronouns on Krona because Krona is actually gender ambiguous, like throughout the entire manga. Um, Funimation went with he, him. So like, you'll see that in the subs and in the dub. Um, but, uh, there was surprised. So but, we'll be, but we'll be using they, them because I'm pretty sure there was, I'm pretty sure somebody asked Okubo what is Krona's gender and Okubo said, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I don't want to, or something to that yeah. effect. Yep. So that, that sounds correct. Yeah. Yes. That is how I recall that conversation going down. That yeah. was, um, yeah. So the point yeah. being, the character is the character is is we'll just say gender ambiguous for now, and yeah. so, apparently intentionally so. Um, so we'll be using they them pronouns on Krona. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I had a feeling that Krona was probably what pinged so later on your radar, right? <laughs> Gosh, I wonder why. You're sometimes you're predictable, and that's okay. I think we all are in our own ways. Yeah, listen, we we all are facing the terrifying ordeal of being known. but yeah like some confluence of those two things were what led me to pick it up even though i am i think any longtime fan of or any longtime listener knows that i am not a shonen guy i'm generally of the opinion that you sort of imprint on your generation of titles from when you were a teenager and then ideally you start to mostly watch other shit once you hit your 20s so this was the last shonen i watched in full that's right. wild to me because yeah. I mean I'm 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 a little bit of a tougher sell on on shonen than I am on on some other genres, but like I've still seen others in full since Soul Eater, uh, so that's that's impressive. Um, yeah, so I should uh, battle shonen. I feel like I should specify. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I was gonna say I you've definitely watched other shonen. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, specifically, like that- jump style battle shonen. Sure. Yeah, it, and see, to me, Soul Eater isn't quite a jump style. Like, it takes place at a school, but it doesn't follow a lot of the same beats that jump style. To me, it's very Gongon style, which is like your Full Metal Alchemist, your Pandora Hearts. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, Gongon has their own style, and I tend to be more drawn to that. And uh, Soul Eater, despite uh, some of Okubo's early bullshit, um, is is very much in that vein of of the kind of kind of supernatural action series I'm more into. So yeah, it, it's a little less formulaic uh the art like the sort of the art the arcs are not structured how you would expect out of like a shonen jump there's no tournament arc so it's got that yeah, going there's no for tournament it. arc uh, which is usually when i stop watching shonen so <laughs> unless you want to count the time that flaxar and soul heard there was a new kid starting and their immediate response was we need to go kick his ass <laughs> Well, that was, yeah, Black Star for sure was his response. Yeah. Um, so, Dee, how did you get into Soul Eater? Soul Eater was very much a social college experience for me. I went to go visit some friends um, who lived a, a town over, and they had they had been watching it fan sub like, as it was coming out in Japan. It was a different time, folks. We didn't have streaming. Um, and it, we were they were like 20 episodes in, and they were like, Dee, you need to watch the show. It's really cool. We think you'll really like it. So they showed me... They jumped me in a, a few episodes in to kind of get a feel for the story. They showed me the three prologue episodes so I'd learn the characters. And then they showed me the two Excalibur episodes that were out at that point because they were like, you need to know about Excalibur. So <laughs> um, so my, my, my intro to Soul Eater was kind of a bounce around to start. And then I really didn't have access to it. And I was watching a bunch of other stuff. Um, so I never got around to, I didn't get around to finishing it right away. And then... 
not very long later, like a year or two later, Funimation had licensed it and released the whole thing. And in the early, early days of Netflix having streaming services, uh, Soul Eater was one of the first shows that Funimation threw up there. Um, so my roommate at the time and I would have anime Wednesdays where we would go to the local pizza place that had a really good deal on Wednesdays. We'd get way too much food. We'd eat all of it accidentally the whole pizza in you know a few hours and watch like a batch of like six to seven you know six to whatever episodes of soul eater that night um and had a delightful time with the show and to this day i can't watch soul eater without wanting pizza you know pizza it seems like the perfect soul eater food it was excellent yes um it it, it really i feel like it's really emblematic of the of the kind of show that soul eater is not the most nutritious, but tasty and filling. And 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 I think best enjoyed with others. Like Soul Eater is one that I, yes. I enjoy watching with other people. So Yeah, I, I've been watching some of the episodes with Jared, mm-hmm. who I think also can relate to wanting pizza whenever he wants Soul Eater, but that's just because he always wants pizza. <laughs> Excellent. And But I never actually um, got around to rewatching it. I always liked it like very fondly, like it was definitely like, you know, top tier shonen series um that i look back on and I, I will recommend it to people with with you know i mean some caveats especially from those early episodes as far as like some fan service and objectification type stuff goes but mm-hmm. um overall you know very very fond of it just never it's a, it's long-ish and i just never had a chance to really go back and rewatch. Mm-hmm. so uh when you mentioned this i was down for it but but it's also a very reasonable length no, like 51 episodes is such a great length for this because it doesn't go on forever, but also doesn't feel super abbreviated. Mm-hmm. It's Mm-mm. just perfect. I miss when anime could have the lengths that just felt right. Yeah, the where they go for half a year to a full year. And yeah, mm-hmm. those, those were nice for sure. Yeah, I feel like 13 episodes is too short a length for a lot of stories. And it, it really just... it. it I don't think the move to almost entirely single core series has been the best thing for the industry, but that's like a, another topic. Oh, uh, I just wanted to real quick note that uh, soul leader also has a really killer dub. Like it's burdened by yeah. the fact that I'm not mm? huge on the dub. Yeah, actually. Oh, okay. I like, I mean, I, I watched like a couple episodes of, of it dubbed, but um. I mean, Laura Bailey's always delightful, but this was fair, a fairly early role for Micah Solosad. It's his I don't, first, I have no I idea think. if I'm saying yeah. his name for now. Her. Yeah, so like, when I first heard it, I was like, hmm, Johnny Young Bosch is, is kind of playing Soul pretty flat. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not Johnny Young Bosch. It is another guy who sounds like a flatter johnny young bosh he takes so, a little while to get to it but like i really love Brittany uh karbowski mm-hmm. as black star and i adore maxi whitehead as as crona this was like right after she got off of doing chesla in bacchano and she's really good yeah i just you know i'm i mean i've got more attachment to the japanese track i'm not saying it is you know that's correct or objectively the right way to do it the dub just didn't quite connect no, for me fair. and like, i'm glad one of us is watching it in japanese because i was low-key worried we were all going to be watching this one dubbed um I've, and it's it's good to be able to, to you know compare the original language track mm-hmm. and stuff and so. i've been going back and forth because like also the dub is saddled with with vic 
Yeah. Yeah. He's playing a he's playing a piece of shit though, and it's not like he's getting any money from me watching it. So yeah. <laughs> I don't. Uh, he's Maka's dad, by the way, at folk folks at home, and uh, they sure do deserve each other. Yeah. Um, mm. Now, on the other hand, I will say so- I will say I do watch the Excalibur episode subtitled because okay, uh, I was you, gonna say you, no, you can't watch Excalibur without Koyasu Takahito shouting <laughs> Maka at you. <laughs> That's how you watch Excalibur episodes. Um, so yeah, I do have to switch over to the subtitle for the Excalibur. Okay, good. It's important. I was going to say you gotta have Koyasu Takahito for Excalibur. There's yeah. no other way to do it. Um, no one else, no one in English is going to be able to replicate that. Uh, he's just got such like he's got his own voice. It's the same in every dub, but it's always wonderful to hear. Um, but anyway. So uh, anyway, designs go back to the setting and design. Yes, yes. Real quick. Um, so it is uh, set in Nevada, which is a really interesting choice for an anime. I don't think I've ever seen another anime set in Nevada, um, and not like not Las Vegas. It is the Nevada desert, which is what a lot of Nevada is. I mean. I- I assume it's set there because it's Death Valley, and I assume Okubo thought that was funny. Is it um, actually? Is it supposed to be Death Valley? I mean, Death Valley's in Nevada, and it's the desert, it's, so I assume. It, I mean, is, is it? It's definitely in California. Is it Nevada and California? I just googled Death Valley, Nevada, and it popped up. So okay. I'm going to go with yes. All right. Okay. Cool. Good job. Um. Yeah. It looks like it's like jet, like right along the border. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, Nevada is mostly desert. Anyway, there's also like, there's also like, it has a lot of places, places that have like, really doom sounding names. It's really interesting that way. Um, I've spent a fair bit of time in Nevada because, um, that's where my in-laws are. Um, so, uh, I love, I love that sun. (laughs) The sun and moon, the sun and moon concept is really great, and I like how the anime took the um, the base concepts that are in the manga, but mm-hmm. are a little bit more simplified and really kind of fleshed them out and like mm-hmm. went full Halloween Town with the uh, with the main city, and yeah, they did a really good job with it. Yeah, it's it's um it's really good use of like early CG, like that big sun, like kind of bobbing up in the sky, looking kind of like separate. Um, and every time it laughs, I turn to Jerem like, "That's that's is that what the Nevada summer sound sun feels like? <laughs> like it's laughing at you?" And he's like, "Yeah, pretty much, yeah." Uh, and then the moon, and then the moon just like bleeds out of its teeth anytime Medusa's on screen. There's some oh very God. nice, there's some very nice stylistic touches. Yeah, in the show. just just great imagery. Um, one thing I think that's interesting, and that I've never seen anyone write about or even make a youtube video about is like the amount of hip-hop influence in the design and in the music mm-hmm. like i i mean it's very clear from the music like you just listen to the music and you there's a lot of like rap and like very beat focused music um i love the i catch little little uh snippet mm-hmm um, but I feel like it's also there in the visuals as well in a way I cannot quite pin down partially because I am extremely white <laughs> um, and I did really I don't know too much about that. But, you know, growing up in uh, in L.A., it's something a visual that I have seen a lot. 
so there's definitely like that sort of uh influence to it yeah and i think you can see it in some of the some of the clothing choices as well yeah there's a little bit of an an east-west meld with the clothes i think Mm -hmm. um the the kind of very distinctive art style also Mm -hmm. i i can i get a sense of it there but not in a way that i can easily quantify or describe yeah um okubo says that his biggest stylistic influence was actually tim burton Oh, well, yeah, in, that's yeah. extremely believable. Yeah, in, in designing kind of the, the monsters and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Death the Kid kind of looks like a Tim Burton character, maybe a little less um, rumpled. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's definitely got like some Jack Skellington vibes off that mm-hmm. suit. Um, yeah. yeah, I can feel that for sure. Yeah. Um. I think the weapon Meister system is really cool. I really like the 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 way the show eventually starts to focus mm-hmm. on that as like a kind of an equal balance partnership, and they really start talking about like how the characters balance each other out and why they're good pairings. Mm-hmm. And it and it mostly follows through on that. Like it, I, I feel like the characters like actually do balance each other quite well, and it's not just lip service. Yeah, for the most part, I totally agree. I think there's, I think if you like wanted to get really nitpicky about this, and again, I'm going to give this show some leeway because it's the mid 2000s as well. Like this is 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, it it falls a little bit into that pattern of like um the fastidious, hardworking, earnest yeah. girl, and the like more devil may care, free spirited guy. Um, thank God. Honestly, I really like Kid and the Thompson sisters because I think they help kind of move you away from that mm-hmm. because kid is the uh you know extremely neurotic fastidious one and patty especially is very like just happy-go-lucky and chill and having a good time no matter what's happening um, yeah and i think that i think that helps with some of the gender essentialism that could be more thoroughly baked into this story yeah um, uh tsubaki and Blackstar are i think easily the worst offenders Early on, yes, but yeah. during Tsubaki's two-parter this stretch, I think you get a much better sense for why Black Star is a good partner for her, mm-hmm. um, because he is really supportive of, you know, she's like, I need to do this on my own, and I think his, like, his egotism is very obnoxious in, like, a, he's like a 14-year-old kid kind of way, um, but the fact, but his self-confidence, his confidence in himself kind of extends to his confidence in others, mm-hmm. and he's kind of, um, what's the word? it's almost contagious. Like Tsubaki catches it a little bit and she kind of talks about like, you know, Mm -hmm. being with him has made me realize that like I can be my own person and have my own identity. And I don't, I like taking care of other people, but I can know when to stop and take care of myself. Yeah. Um, Blackstar's a sweet kid. He, Um, well, (laughs) he'll get there someday. He, you don't, I'm not, I'm not worried that he's not going to turn out. Okay. But he is an obnoxious 14 year old through most of this, uh, through a decent chunk of this, but, uh, no, that when he's, when he's just like kind of quietly supporting her and letting her do her thing and doesn't feel like, cause I think soul kind of runs into this, this feeling of like, I need to protect Maka and be her knight and her shield Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, whereas I don't think Tsubaki, I think, uh, Blackstar doesn't necessarily have that to his character. Um, so like as you go, I get I, I, I anyway got a better feel for why they why they made a good pairing mm-hmm. and the fact that like Tsubaki actually does kind of like taking care of other people. So the fact that Blackstar needs like a little bit more taking care of than another Meister isn't something that bothers her. Um, and I think that makes their their relationship mm-hmm. work out a lot better by the end of this stretch of episodes. Because yeah. in the first couple, I'm like, why are you with this little shit? <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do want to talk about a little bit more generally also. 
um i think like i really appreciate that uh the weapon like this it's not gendered it's not like the boys are the weapons and the girls are the meisters or vice versa yeah um you know and although our main pairings are uh mostly uh different genders it's not also it's also not like always that they are you know it has to be a boy and a girl Um, i mean it's it's, it is a little bit heteronormative implicitly because like the only same gender pairing we see in this stretch is a stein and maka's dad spirit and that was a very bad union and stein has some boy creepy queer coding under undertones to him um i don't catch the queer coding but yeah, i will I give you catch that i will give you that you know experimenting on somebody in their sleep is extremely messed up and it's like the one point of sympathy i have for maka's shitbag of a father he's the worst. um he sucks yeah. yeah all of the adults kind of suck in the show yeah. um they're not yeah and and like the pairings aren't necessarily romantic but i can see how a lot of them i actually are. like the they- fact that so far anyway like this show has a huge focus on partnerships and Mm -hmm. and like you said there does it does tend to be boy girl pairings so there is that kind of idea of like you know genders balancing each other out i guess you could talk about um you see that in a lot of i mean like this is not the first anime or manga to have done that but it's almost always tied to romance and like sexual Mm -hmm. tension and love and i really really like that soul eater like I think you could. I think you could make an argument this early that maybe there's a little bit of there's a little bit of that between Soul and Maka, but for the most part, you don't get romantic yeah. vibes from these par- partnerships at all. Like these are like mm-hmm. these are platonic friendships that are different, and um, you know, depending upon the the grouping, um, but it's it's not inherently tied to romance. And I really right. like that about yeah. About the I mean, I do. Here. I I do get a shippy vibe from Maka and Soul sure um but even if that's the case but, uh, definitely like, about, like their emotional respect for each other first mm-hmm. and foremost and that's great yeah 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 like yeah they're the partnerships are built on respecting each other and working together mm-hmm. and i can see how some of them would turn romantic because it is a partnership ideally romances are partnerships as well you know this other person really well sure. uh maka maka's parents were uh we're a weapon meister pairing that didn't work out great well no because <laughs> once again her dad is a shitbag can't stop yeah, cheating no, her, on his wife her dad is terrible uh one thing i really like about soul Eater is that um it follows a female protag who is kind of following in her mother's footsteps mm-hmm. and you know we talk about how there's just not that mm-hmm. many female mentors in shonen um, even in even in a lot of shonen with female main characters you won't necessarily see them like you know following their moms um mm-hmm. so that was one well, thing that always stuck out mom. about me about solar that no she's she is but this this is so common in shonen where there's the boy chasing after the dad who's never on screen but he's famous and he's somewhere and he's gonna come home <laughs> and they're gonna be besties once once you know the kid lives up to the parents reputation or whatever mm-hmm. like that's so common in shonen and so to see that to see that flipped with the genders were like maka's mom is off somewhere being a big fancy um reaper that's Shinigami, however you want to say it. Um, and Maka, but but we know that she's a badass and that Maka really respects her and is like, you know, chasing after her. And it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's that gender reversal that I, I really appreciate, yeah. um, that I wish we had more of. Yeah, a lot of people praised Maiden Abyss yeah. for that that element. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is quite a bit And earlier. this doesn't have this fetish. It doesn't. 
so let's yeah let's talk a bit more about the characters since this is a very episodic stretch i felt like it made more sense to sort of break it down character by character partnership by partnership um rather than on the plot future episodes we might be talking a little bit more about the plot um so yeah we talked a bit about soul and maka um soul's kind of a a butthead (laughs) Uh, (laughs) like you said uh it it does kind of remind rely on maka a little bit to be like the moderating influence um it is not (laughs) soul does should not like just torment maka about her um flat chestedness especially compared to blair um but uh they are they do have a really sweet relationship overall i think um maka's worry like her survivor's guilt when soul gets hurt uh with her in the fight against uh krona and ragnarok speaks really well towards the character development um i also really like how in the show like the characters are not 100 percent tied to each other all the time like sometimes souls hanging out with black star yeah maka maka and tsubaki have a really nice relationship Mm -hmm. uh yeah no i i do like that as well um soul and maka to me i i think their relationship is very realistic for their age because they fight constantly right yeah and i think that is i think that is pretty true to their ages and their and their personalities and i like that you can still tell that they care about each other and trust each other Mm -hmm. but i think the push and pull with them um makes them makes them kind of the most makes them the most interesting relationship in the story up to this point um because they both want to protect the other one right like that's the big conflict towards the end of this arc is maka wants to get stronger to protect soul and Soul wants to get stronger to protect maka and he can't understand why maka won't just use him like a weapon and she doesn't want that to be their relationship she wants it to be a more equal partnership where they're both taking risks and i really like that maka kind of, that soul has a little bit of a white knight syndrome i think and maka really won't let him mm-hmm. um you know she pushes back on that a lot by being like no i want to be able to stand on my own two feet as well and I like the way the show uses them to kind of talk about like fear as being something important and something that you that you should not like pretend doesn't exist, but you should acknowledge it and, you know, use it to help you understand your limits, but then also know when you need to work through it. And, you know, that through line of like Maka's thing is her courage because she is afraid because she is facing these like really powerful opponents um, and she's worried about her friends and all this other stuff and like, you know, how she how she pushes through that and like finds ways to work with it. Um, I really like those, those three lines in these early episodes here. Yeah. Do we know Soul's backstory yet? No, no, we haven't really learned anything no. about him yet. Um, I like somehow his parents decided it would be a good idea to name their child Soul Eater Evans. Well, Eater, Soul Eater is his nickname, right? His name is Soul Evans. Because no. Eater is always in quotation marks. It's always Soul quote quotation marks Eater Evans. Is it? Yeah. That's how I've oh. seen it written anyway. It's not important. Yeah. It, uh, I've, some of the, still an interesting name. Some of the character names are suspect. I mean, one of the characters' names is Black Star. And there is a star. And there is an actual star in the middle of his name. That's You're true. not spelling it right if you don't include the star. It's the, sub- <laughs> the subtitles cannot parse. No. no. It, makes the, it makes the subtitles mm-hmm. sad. 
Bride, do you have sorry, Bride, do you have any thoughts on uh, Maka and Soul or should no, we really move like, on to the I, next? I like them. I think they're very sweet. It, it is probably worth noting that the show as the two thousands go has a little bit of that. The the slapstick is funny if it's a girl hitting a boy, but Yeah. The Maka yeah. chop. Um most of the time Soul kind of deserves it though, because he's being an uh-huh. asshole. Like I yeah. can't get too mad about it, but it is sort of that double standard that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could live without the um oh no blair has suddenly shown up naked and now maka is yelling at soul even though he didn't do anything yeah blair is just a fan service character she really has no other purpose at this point i Um, I love when the show towards the end of the end of the core just starts making her a cute cat instead and you can feel igarashi being like freedom Well, to be to okay, listen. To be fair, uh, Igarashi cut a lot of the fan servicey bullshit out of the first like chapter. Two, let's say two chapters. Um, from there, it's. I mean, I think the anime does a much better job of like fleshing out some of the scenes and choosing like how to cut things and stage them and what have you. Um, it's pretty much beat for beat the same thing. Fair enough, fair like enough. Okubo also after the first after the first few chapters drops like 90 percent of the fan service as well. Like suddenly mm-hmm. Maka's doing cool flips and she's not flashing her panties all the time. Um, so either an editor at Gongon told him to knock it out, or he just decided that wasn't what he wanted to focus on. I have no idea what went on what went on behind the scenes, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, like, like I, Blair I noticed- sitting on Maka's head in that scene as a kitty is also okay. Fair, 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 fair. I I noticed. Like in one episode, like Maka ends up upside down and her her skirt is doing the magical anti-gravity thing where it mm-hmm. actually like folds under, even though the more realistic thing would be to show Yeah, uh, but who cares? Underwear, but who who needs realism? This is not this is an anime, it doesn't have to be realistic. And I looked at that and I'm like, if that happened in the manga, like her under her skirt would be like flipped all the way up underwear if you're talking about the if you're talking about the last scene where she's dangling from the bridge with three um the manga is also very nice about that when Um, she was well it was when she was fighting sid oh yeah no the sid fight is the sid fight is absolutely repulsive in the manga uh i don't even want to get into it it's terrible um, it is like a, there's a full on smash cut super zoom on a teenager's camel toe and I didn't like it. Oh no, don't, really don't bad. like that. Should we take a moment no, to acknowledge Sid? Because I feel like that is also. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were talking about the hip hop references and I thought about bringing it up, but there just never was a particularly good time. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sid, is, Sid is their black teacher who they immediately kill and turn into a zombie. Um, and it, my so my memory of the show is that he continues to be a character and is actually a yeah. pretty decent guy, um, but you know maybe yeah, and maybe I mean, don't immediately kill your black character. It was it, it is complicated because he does continue to be a character and like probably the most wholesome um, adult mentor Okubo they have, actually, but also yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's he was the best teacher at the academy before he died. He continues to probably be the best teacher that's just the kind of man Um, he was he is also like very like visibly black like he's got he's wearing a jersey he's got cornrows um you know he of he carries like that sort of um hip-hop aesthetic very strongly Mm -hmm. okubo also is for all of his strengths and flaws he is better than 99.99 percent of manga writers at including 
black characters. Yeah, Soul Leader actually introduces another. I, if I yeah. again, well, mm-hmm. and yeah, not to not to spoil anything for the folks at home, but I'm like, but there's a supporting character who I'm pretty sure is a is a fellow student at the school who's also a, a black yeah. kid, and is to m- my memory handled pretty well. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's been years, so who knows? Yeah. There are um, there are black ki- characters in Fire Force. Like it's it is something that he does like include, and they're not generally totally stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that's our call to make, folks. Um, at not home, that it, not that is our call to make. Let us know your thoughts. Um, yeah, um, if you disagree, please feel free to let me know. Um, but yeah, like so. Yeah, so Sid is there, complicated, and like after he becomes a zombie, like his skin color changes, but he still has like he's still visibly black with his you know his braids and everything so it's not my call to make one way or the other but it's worth mentioning um well especially if you're gonna take those hip-hop influences but then not mm-hmm. really have a lot of um characters from the from the culture where that those influences came yeah. from you know i think i think that's a fair point of criticism mm-hmm. for the show mm-hmm. um yeah worth mentioning can we so unless you guys have something else you want to say about black star and subaki who i i know i talked about for a little uh, bit earlier i i would like to quickly um, note that le- like we don't need to linger on it but i do like that even though the show has pretty much set up subaki as your sort of prototypical yamato Nedeshko character i do like that her two episode her, her two-parter is basically a speed run of toru's arc from fruits basket and that's nice and that's all i have to say about that <laughs> That is fair. That is fair. Well, and I think Tsubaki is one of those characters who would work a lot less well if she were surrounded by other, if there were no other female characters or like all the other female characters were exactly mm-hmm. like her. Um, but because I think then having she's the girl and yeah. she's doing the feminine role. Yeah. But I think, I think having a, a, that sort of caretaker character in your cast with lots of other people, it, it doesn't feel as stereotypical to me. It feels more like a decision they made with, who Tsubaki as a person is and god I really really like her two-parter with her brother um not just because it is beautifully staged but I think the way it kind of gives you insight into who Tsubaki is and this kind of sense of this low self-esteem that she used to have and coming into her own I I think it's a really nice well-contained like little coming-of-age tale for her yeah um I think this is a much less like in-depth point I think it's a little odd that Tsubaki is in class with all of them. I guess uh, the DWMA uh, doesn't divide by age, but more by partnership because she is significantly older than the other characters. I thought she was she was supposed to be older, like really yeah, significantly. She's, she's like seventeen or eighteen. Oh, okay, that's not significantly more. Well, not 15, significant. I think. She's, but she is definitely like she's seventeen. Yeah, and Maka. And Maka is 15. So yeah, they don't, they don't, no, Maka, oh, Maka's 14. My bad. Soul is 15. Um, so yeah, no, yeah, I knew she was Mm -hmm. supposed to be a little bit older. So she's a little bit more mature and is kind of like the big sister of the group. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, and I like that she and Black Star have a more siblingish relationship, uh, because it really does, like, all the Meisters and weapon pairings have, like, very, like, strong but very different kinds of relationships That's good um yes and so and kids the whole thing huh? i was gonna say we need to spend some time on 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 death the kid uh yes. who is uh 
probably I have I have a, a very soft spot for Kit in my heart, but oh boy, is he a big hot mess. He's, he is he's a he's a good boy. Um the first I think the his first episode was rough because one of the first things he does is grab Liz and Pat like one each of Liz and Patty's boobs. Yeah. And it's like it's not symmetrical, and that's just a very like basic shonen jump, and they're just like, oh well, you know. Like just sort of casually letting this this you know kid like grab their tits and saying out oh, that wasn't yeah. great. Um, so it was really interesting. Um, and I would be really like, this was always going to be a big topic of discussion. Uh, when I was in college, one of my friends who liked Soul Eater was a um, her parents were both psychologists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she felt that uh. Death the Kid was a good representation of OCD. Um, and like, you know, exaggerated and caricaturized, but a fairly decent, basic understanding of what that illness, how that illness functions. So, but she didn't actually have it. It was mostly her observation <laughs> of her parents, like her parents' work. Sorry, Bryce buildup is she was very a, good. He, like she was not studying psychology. She was uh, in school for biomedical engineering. So I don't like. I mean, I'm not. No, I no longer take her word for granted. Uh, Margot, if for some reason you're listening, I apologize. Uh, but you know, uh, so you guys, I am. I don't have immediate experience with the illness myself. So, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, I hate that. I Rye, go ahead. The, I hate that I have Rye. to do the little spiel now because uh, so basically when I was I was diagnosed with OCD as a teenager, um, I was re-diagnosed like with a, a year ago as as with autism in lieu of OCD. Uh, but those two things are very tightly comorbid and I have some misophobia anyway, mm-hmm. so yes and no also but uh so i think your friend isn't wrong that like kid very much vibes with the intrusive thoughts parts of ocd where he has to like leave because he can't remember if he did the thing at home that he needs to do so like Mm -hmm. yes because uh, it's very rare to see ocd characters who focus on um who focus on the intrusive thought element rather than the than misophobia which is like a pretty consistent part of ocd but not universal not everybody has the the germophobia part um i i tend to point to clean freak aoyama as like surprisingly the best the 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 best depiction but it is almost exclusively about um misophobia Uh, but so it's not necessarily that i think he's not accurate as a comedic like self self uh, deprecating kind of portrayal of those thought patterns so much as that i think that he exists in a series that doesn't take him seriously that he has this very debilitating thing and that that would not be such a bad thing if there weren't any um like depictions of that mental illness that didn't treat it as though he's just being a pain like these characters are just being a pain in the ass who are doing this thing that they should get over to stop making everybody's life hard. I feel like that's the sticking point for me. But I, I do mm-hmm. still like Kid. Yeah, Liz and Patty, Liz and Patty really don't have a lot of uh, sympathy for kids. Um, 
kid's kid's uh, obsession with symmetry and like need to make sure that he did everything right at home and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I mean, do agree with that. I think I think that would make it a lot um, more palatable, more enjoyable. Um, because I think so. Um, not I can't speak it from at this from an from an OCD perspective, and I I would agree with you, Ryan, that I don't think it's it's necessarily like like quote unquote good mental health rep. Um, I do I do have to admit I do vibe with kid from the perspective of like the anxiety he feels about like the pressures of like his future. Cause he'll often talk like when they're like, kid, the toilet paper's not a big deal. He's like, how can I expect to be the next Shinigami if I can't even remember to fold the damn toilet paper right? I have to go <laughs> home and fix this or I'm garbage. Yeah. Um, I do vibe with those. I do. I really vibe with like that, those kind of like teen anxieties that I think he exaggerates to, you know, comedic levels and that kind of low self-esteem and those. And when he goes on his little despair spirals, um, and I there, and again, this is going to be very different for everybody. Um, I find something kind of relatable in the absurdity of those moments where you go, where you watch it play out, and you're like, okay, yeah, probably it is a little absurd for me to be, you know, freaking out about this little thing and thinking it's going to like have this huge impact on my future. Probably I need to take a breath and kind of chuckle about the fact that I'm like hyper focusing <laughs> on this thing. Um, so from that, from that perspective, I do, I, I think that's why I'm very fond of kid is because I do kind of, kind of vibe with his, um, some of his, some of his neuroses and anxieties from like a teenage perspective. But I do agree with you that I think, I think the show like really wandered into like actual mental illness, like OCD territory and did not realize that's what it was doing yeah. and did I, not know how to handle that. I would really love to know what Okubo's intentions were with with mm -hmm. creating him mm -hmm. um if he was deliberately drawing on ocd or not but i mean i mean that having been said again Vry, I, I do agree with you and i think yeah. that i think that the way that the other characters just treat him as a as kind of a pain in the ass i think that's my my one pain point with kid but it's also one of the reasons why i end up liking him more is i'm like oh kid Nobody's giving you the support. You I do. Need. I do have an. I do have yeah. a fondness for him. Like I do. Yeah. He's he's pretty good. Um, he's not. He doesn't get to do much in this. Yeah, stretch. his character episodes no. are right after. Are right at the start of the next core. So. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. Okay. I I do think the like. The and I keep coming back to it because it's such a ridiculous episode. The episode where he is starting at the school and mm -hmm. Soul and Black Star like we gotta kick this guy's ass. Like that was a pretty fun battle, fun low stakes. It was able to show off his sort of his abilities as not just a kid but as the actual child of the God of Death himself. Yeah, I mean he has way more like raw power than the other yeah. characters, which I think is another reason why he kind of gets sidelined a little bit in this early arc is because he might have an easier time with some of these enemies um i also think that's one of the reasons why i mean he's written to be where like his main like maka's thing is 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 more like i mean she has the the where she needs to you know kind of overcome her fear and and figure out how to like you know work for it but a lot of it for her is like you know becoming stronger and figuring out like how to wield these uh powers and work together with soul um and kid kind of already has like 
the power down and the techniques down and kids, you know, big kind of hurdle is, is on the mental emotional side is like, you mm. know, these, the, this extreme anxiety and self-esteem uh, issues that he has. So, right. Like if he could put those aside, like he would very easily be able to like completely waste whatever, uh, Kishin souls he comes across. Yeah. But, I mean, but, but obviously it's not, Mm-hmm. Mental, mental illness is not that simple no so you can't just put it aside it's like much like maka's fear or black star just being a 13 year old goober um it's it is something that he's you know gonna have to learn how to you know kind of work with and um again i wish that i wish that the series would do more with liz and patty like accommodating mm-hmm. his needs instead of it being like you just need to figure out how to deal with this but I, I honestly don't remember what they do with kids arc in this series. Yeah. So um, I, I don't, I can't yeah. speak too much to it. The details after this mm-hmm. are so hazy. Yeah. I really want to find out more about their like yeah. relationship and the whole thing. Cause I can't remember how much it goes into that. Yeah. I do want to say, I love Patty's laugh. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, like, and this is something that I talked about with Jared. It's not a cute laugh. It's not like, it is incredibly obnoxious <laughs> and she just when she gets started she just doesn't stop she just yeah. sits there and laughs like i don't know what her laugh sounds like in the dub but in the sub is just like you know we've all known at least one person who had this like really loud penetrating laugh that and they would just laugh at completely inappropriate times. I might even be that person and not even know it. Who knows? I think I think the characterization of Liz and Patty is really nice because I think it could have been really easy to just make them like the same person, you know, like twin sisters who, you know, act the same way, kind of <sighs> interchangeable kind of thing. And they're really not like Liz is Liz is both like more temperamental, but also more like emotional. She's more likely to cry about things. Patty's like extremely chill. And like you said, kind of tone deaf <laughs> to situations from time seriously. to time. Yeah. is kind of just cool with whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do like the way they're, they're balanced out. And something that I do think is pr- worth mentioning early at this point is there is kind of a, cl- there's, they touch on a class difference between them and kid whereas yeah. you know kids they see kid as like this pampered little rich boy so when he goes through these like anxiety spirals to them it's just like oh look at this spoiled little kid throwing a temper tantrum like they don't really get mm-hmm. where he's coming from and i think some of that does come from like their upbringing and the fact that they you know we 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 know they kind of mm-hmm. like grew up poor on the streets and were possibly involved in crime it's it's unclear um so there's there's some there's some points of conflict there that um you know I hope the series explores but I honestly don't remember. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, and listen, I always appreciate twin characters that are not identical or don't act totally in sync. I'm not sure they're actually twins. I know they're sisters, but I'm not sure that they're technically I'm pretty sure twins. Liz called Patty her um, younger sister at one point, but that could mean younger twin. Well, yeah, but that's just I mean Japan Japanese doesn't have a word for just sister like it's always older or younger um you'll see that with kind of any uh any dub or any not dub like any anime um the old like the older sister is still One-san and the younger sister is still Emoto yeah that's just that's just how it is we're gonna have to talk about Krona and Medusa next time (laughs) Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I was gonna say we're coming up on the hour, and I kind of thought like I'm glad we got in the the conversation about mm-hmm. uh, Krona's gender and um, b- 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 
um, yeah. us using right. they, them pronouns and stuff. Like, I'm glad we touched on mm-hmm. that, but I really yeah. don't think, I mean, Krona was only really in a couple of episodes and uh, like, I, yeah, I think it's probably yeah. best to save that conversation yeah. for next time anyway. I will say, I don't, I feel like Krona has been pretty, I, I'm always sort of uncomfortable with calling Krona gender ambiguous. I feel like I, I, I like to think they've been sort of thoroughly reclaimed as, as gender neutral or, or gender queer because just because my primary, um, my primary experience of them back in the, in the, in fandom days when I was watching the show the first time is that people would gender Krona based on who they shipped them with. And, and it was, it's an intensely (laughs) uncomfortable memory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember being like, this was younger me, like just not getting it being like, is Krona a boy or a girl? Uh-huh. It's gotta be no, one, no. right? No, it doesn't I, have I mean, to be one. Even the dubbing, the, there's like a note from the dubbing team. I think they put it in their, um, like the DVD liner notes or something where they were like, well, we decided to use he for Krona because we felt like calling calling them it would be really disrespectful to the character. And I'm like, you know, there's a whole nother word. Has someone nope. told you there's a whole nother word? Yeah. yeah well. But this... Yeah, I'm, this, it was like 2010, like but still, like, yes, I, correct. Yeah, that's still a whole decade ago. I, I think I think we touched on a lot of the main things in mm-hmm. this stretch, and the stuff we didn't get to, we will have time to get to next time. Yeah, now that we've done a lot of the setup stuff, that'll leave us a lot more time next time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, then I will play us out. All right, so that's our episode. Thank you for listening. Uh, next time, we're going to be talking about episodes 14 to 26. Um, if you enjoyed this, uh, and somehow you are not aware of our website, it is animefeminist.com. Uh, our Twitter is at animefeminist. Our Facebook is at animefem. Our Tumblr is at animefeminist. If you really like us, then please consider becoming a patron on Patreon. Uh, even a dollar a month adds up and helps us so much. Uh, running a website is more expensive than y'all think um, especially since we pay all of our contributors we pay all of our staff and we have a lot of projects that we want to work on but we can't until we get some more money um, but also we understand if you can't because times are hard y'all once again thank you for listening and wear a mask